Welcome to Outspoken Voices, a podcast by and for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer parents, people with LGBTQ parents, and everyone else who is part of our family journey. I'm your host, Tatiana Quiroga, and I'm the Southern Regional Manager for Family Equality Council. Today, we'll be talking about empty nesters, the next chapter. We have two guests with us. Dr. Kim Berkman is a licensed psychologist and co-owner of Growing Generations, one of the largest surrogacy agencies in the world. She has specialized in third-party assistant reproduction and LGBTQ parenting since the early 1990s. Dr. Berkman is an expert on the historical groundbreaking topic of parenting by choice, particularly within the LGBTQ community. She's a longtime friend and supporter of Family Quality Council and was on the board of directors for nine years. Now she's an active member of Family Quality Council's Ameris Board. In addition, her two daughters are members of our outspoken generation. Then we have with us Maureen Hurley. Maureen is an educator who has worked in schools, colleges, and universities, serving students, families for over 30 years. She is an expert in transition programs and has taught a seminar titled Parents Parenting During the College Years. She's currently the Director of Parent and Family Programs at the Emerson College in Boston. Maureen has been involved in Family Quality Council since the days it was known as Family Pride Coalition. Her daughter, Lizzie, is a veteran of Family Week and has and is one of the founding members of Outspoken Generation. Thank you so much both for being here today. Thank Kim, you. would you like to go first? Oh, yeah, thank you. Kim, would you like to go first and share your a little bit about your family story and your personal experience about becoming an empty nester? Sure, I would love to. Um, well, so my wife and I have been together for our, we'll, we'll be celebrating 34 years coming up in October. And um, we were, were legally married. However, we were also not legally married two times before that. So funny, that's kind of, well, you know, <laughs> married in the temple, married in Canada off of a, an, our family vacation cruise, and finally married in California when we legally could. We have two daughters, um, Abby, who is uh, 21, and she's a rising senior at Smith College, and Jenna, who is 18. She's just graduating from high school. She'll be starting at Barnard in the fall. So. Um, we're actually, we're, we've been sort of partial empty nesters for a couple of years now with our younger daughter ramping us up and getting us ready because she's very independent and, um, you know, does a lot of her life on her own at this point. And um, we'll be leaving in July to live in New York for the summer and then staying to start at Barnard. So, um here we go. And we've got lots of stuff planned for our empty nest tour of the world. We're quite, we're quite ready and excited and sad. Right. Yeah. I bet there's a lot of mixed feelings that come with that. Yes, absolutely. And actually, um, yes, there, there are. I mean, I think the first, our first daughter going off to college was the one that was really the most jarring because it changed the whole dynamic in the family, you know, where mm -hmm. We weren't a table for four. We were a table for three. And mm -hmm. so, we, you know, we anticipate that the transition 
to with our second child leaving will be less jarring, sort of the same way that having one child from not being parents was, you know, turns everything upside down. Having a second child adds a lot of work and joy, but doesn't turn things upside down in quite the same way. So we anticipate that it will be kind of a similar transition. Right, right. Wonderful. Well, Maureen, would you like to share your family story and personal experiences? Absolutely. So um, very similarly, my wife and I have been together for 33 years this November, and (laughs) we have we were married legally in the state of Massachusetts in 2004. We were among the first 200 couples in the country to be legally married. And um, that was really exciting for us. Uh, we we got our uh, license, marriage license on the first day that it was allowable, uh, May 17th, wow. 2004. And we brought our then uh, nine-year-old daughter with us to witness that experience. But we had been together for 19 years by the time we were able to be legally married. And um, uh, we did not go through uh, uh, civil ceremonies, et cetera. We were hoping and praying for legal marriage, and we were not convinced it was ever going to happen in our lifetimes. And then it did. It was uh, uh, pretty astounding for us. Um in in terms of our empty nest syndrome, we have only one daughter, and so to to have her go and get her wings was a, a very hard, difficult experience for us, even though I had been doing a seminar for parents uh, for 16 years called Parenting During the College Years, which talked through the process of the transition uh, of entering college for the family members and the parents. And um, it's so different when it's your own child. Right. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) exactly what I was thinking. I was like, sometimes it's a lot easier said than done. (laughs) Absolutely. It's really easy for um, a a university official to, to look at a family and say, oh, you've done your job. Just turn them over to us now. We're in charge. Uh, it, it, that is not the case, and that does mm-hmm. does not happen for the families. Um, letting go uh, used to be one of the, the 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 catchphrases in terms of empty nesting that parents had to let go of their child. And you know, I've learned through life experience that one never lets go of one's child. <laughs> uh, they're always <laughs> with you in their heart and um, in your mind and so forth. So that's an unrealistic expectation, I believe. But um, our daughter uh, moved moved to Georgia to go to the uh, Georgia Institute of Technology. She's Mm -hmm. currently in her fourth year out of a five-year program. She's getting a global engineering diploma, um, which meant that she had to do 30 credits in another language uh, in engineering and science and math classes. So clearly she's not all my child because (laughs) uh, I am in no way left-brained and she's very left-brained. Um, but one of the things that I've always told parents is that if you're able to to keep as stable a family dynamic as possible when your student is uh, moving off to college. So, for example, don't move houses if you can avoid it. So what did mm-hmm. we do? The second Lizzie graduated from high school, we moved from Boston to Dallas, Texas. So uh, she, she and we had this huge transition just as she was getting her wings and starting off at college. So so we made things as difficult as possible for ourselves. 
Now, question for the both of you, because, you know, um, from my understanding, both families, your daughters went quite a bit of a distance. So it wasn't even that they were just going off to college. They, they had graduate mm-hmm. high school and went off to college, but they geographically moved pretty far from where home was. How was that yeah. transition for you? Well, for me, Abby, yes, Abby could... There's there's a few colleges she could have picked that would have been further away, but not many. So we're in Southern California, and she goes to school in uh, in Western Massachusetts. And um, and my younger, you know, will be going to New York. So we uh, we we see, you know, there's a East Coast migration in the Bergman family. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it, you know, it was it was it was tough having her so far away, but. Um, for for us, you know, because we we live in Southern California and our kids were born and raised here, we felt like it was such a great opportunity for for each of them to have a totally different experience right. to, to live really in a completely different climate, completely different culture even. And interestingly enough, it it didn't seem that odd to us at the time, but almost all of their friends um both daughters, um, friends chose schools much closer to home. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and that, that was sort of interesting. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. I think if we didn't have social media that we have now, um, it would be much harder. And believe me, mm-hmm. within a month of Abby being at school, I was talking to my mother about how could she ever have let me go across town to UCLA without <laughs> a cell phone, you know, um, right. because, you know, and, and it's not that we speak every day and it's not mm-hmm. that we're, it's not that she's not independent. She's very independent, but you know, she touches base with me and it's not, right. you know, you don't have to wait in line for a phone or, make an appointment, you know, she can just text me, Hey, mm-hmm. things are good. Or, you know, and I, I think, you know, that, that helped a lot. I mean, it also helped. And I, and I see this in, in comparison to some other parents on parents pages that I, that I, you know, frequent of parents of college students. I'm really lucky. I'm, we're close with our kids. We're not overly close. We're not, I think we're not hovery, you know, Helicoptery. Our kids are very independent and very capable, but they also don't feel a need to shut us out. Not that mm-hmm. that's bad. I think that's actually quite normal developmentally, but we're just lucky that that isn't in the vocabulary for us. So, you know, mm-hmm. Abby is is happy to to stay in in contact. And I, you know, when we first um, moved her into school and then we flew all three all four of us went to to smith moved her in and then three of us flew home and you know when we walked in the door we honestly all three of us just broke down crying it was it was really quite a moment because we walked back in the house and there was this vacuum of abby energy that wasn't here anymore and it took you know it definitely took a while for us to get used to that um that that's different dynamic and different energy. Mm. Um, but yes, I mean, uh, having not, not having her be able to fly home on a weekend or, you know, come home for Thanksgiving cause she only had three days off. That was, that, that was hard. I, 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 mm-hmm. I'm glad she made that choice to think it's been great for her, but yes, it was, it was, it added a layer of adjustment for us. 
Right. And right. for our daughter, uh, it, it was clear to us from an early age that this child had wanderlust. Uh, we, we lived in um, England when she started school, and um, we uh, took her all over the world from uh, that vantage point, not all over the world, but all over Europe, um, from from the, the stepping off point of, of London, England. And so she was used to visiting different countries and, and um, exploring different lands and different people and different foods and so forth. So um, we knew she was going to go far. Uh, she, when she was a sophomore, she did a, a study abroad in um, in Zaragoza, Spain, and then uh, she did uh, Habitat for Humanity in Paraguay. So she had already had those experience of uh, going into new cultures and new places. So we we felt comfortable that she was ready to do that. Although, of course, we would have loved her to be within an hour's driving distance. That would have been right. terrific. Um, <laughs> and But speaking of social media, you know, that's uh, it's amazingly uh, important and impactful for communication these days. Um, it is funny, though, that uh, the, the students tell me, you know, once your grandmother's on Facebook, it's so right. cafe, you know, <laughs> they're not going to be on that anymore, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, but, you know, for us, one of the, th- uh, we had um, Lizzie in Santiago, Chile in September of 2015. And if you look up the largest earthquake in the world in 2015, was in Santiago, Chile in September. And so we got that phone call while we were sitting out by our pool in in Texas, enjoying a lovely night, that uh, it was one of those, mama, you know, Mm -hmm. and you immediately, your heart goes in your throat. And there's a huge earthquake happening right now. And she was on the 26th floor of a high-rise building and we didn't know what to tell her to do. You know, it was one of those incredibly frightening moments when if you could do anything to climb through a telephone line and get to your child, you would do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it luckily, she it, she was with a host family and the host mother. Even though I don't speak Spanish very well, I knew the host mother was telling her it was going to be okay. And that was the mommy thing that kind of came through. And, you know, that's Mm -hmm. one of the things that I I think is so important for us is that it doesn't matter if we're LGBTQ parents. We're parents. Right. Uh, We have that same gut instinct Mm -hmm. to protect our child as anybody else does. Um, Mm -hmm. and, And in that, we're just so not unique. And that's that's a lovely feeling not to be Mm -hmm. unique. Um, by the way, she was fine. Um, the 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 entire city was impacted. There was a there was a tsunami, a small one, um, but it you know was a, obviously a huge deal for her to have gone through that, and for us to have gone through that with her, and wondering you know do we get the next plane down there and pull her out? Uh, we didn't, mm-hmm. uh, which was also a very hard mommy moment. <laughs> of uh, learning to separate and learning that she can handle a crisis on her own. Um, And she met us really, really proud when she did that. Um, But anyway, uh, and we did give her the option of coming home Uh, and she chose, she she chose not to. Um, But, you know, I I think it's so important for us that um, 
I, I think Kim and I probably were among the first generation of parents with, as my daughter calls them, gabies. She was like, I'm a yeah, actually, yeah. And actually, you know, Abby and Lizzie know each other. Um, oh, do they? they? Oh, I know they, who Abby is. Mm-hmm. I know yeah, who Abby met, is now that I think met, of it. They, they met in P-Town doing teen panels. They yep. were on a panel together. Yes, I remember. They, they were on more than one panel together. Yes, hmm. that's right. Oh, yeah. wonderful. And you're right. They were they were among the first. And, you know, I'm seeing this interestingly in, in what I do professionally because mm-hmm. Growing Generations has been around, um, we're in our 21st year. So while we have thousands of babies all over the world, you know, we don't have that many that are, you know, most of our babies are, are kids. But right, we do right. have a handful of, of teens and, you know, in young adults. And it's so interesting because I can tell, I can watch the trends in our, I can, I can know where our clients are by the phone calls I get, you know, in Mm -hmm. September, I get a whole bunch of phone calls from kindergarten age of our Mm -hmm. parents asking me Mm -hmm. for advice about talking to their, you know, going in and talking to the classes about Mm -hmm. having two daddies or two mommies. Mm -hmm. And in high school or junior middle school, I get, you know, how how do we add many layers of the biology of this? And then now I've been getting calls about, you know, my kids going off to college. And, you know, I think (laughs) it's, it's, um, it's fun to watch those developmental, you know, the the cycle of life, but yeah, um, it, you know, we're, but, we're probably among the, the generation that had to um, push to have parent mm-hmm. one and parent two put on the school yeah. forums. Mm-hmm. Well, we absolutely, um, we absolutely are. I mean, we had to do uh, second parent adoptions of both yeah. of our kids, yeah. even though, you know, we, I gave birth to one and my wife gave birth to the other. We used mm-hmm. anonymous, the same anonymous sperm donor, sperm donor for both of them. Right. But yeah, we, I mean, we definitely are on that edge and it's pretty interesting because Abby at Smith um, started a group and, and by started a group these days, that means like a online group that then mm-hmm. became an in-person group of, mm-hmm. of students with LGBT parents. And there's, there's, there are many, not, right. you know, not hundreds, and but there are a, a healthy number of those Smith students who have LGBT parents and they're just kind of getting together and, you know, having something in common, something that these days isn't, isn't nearly as unusual as when they were kids, but right, it's right. still kind of nice. And I think it's one of the things that's made the transition for Abby in college much easier. And that in turn made it much easier for us. And advice right. that I, you know, share with parents now is, you know, for the kids to go off to school and feel connected to something makes their transition so much easier and therefore makes ours. Because, of course, mm-hmm. the last thing you want is to get that phone call from your kid like, I'm not making any friends and nobody likes me. Right. You know it's not true. Right. And right. you know it'll be okay and you know they'll work it out. But you don't want that phone call. That phone call is really hard. And especially if you're 3,000 miles away and you can't mm-hmm. give them a hug or, you know. That's right. Um, right. But joining, you know, participating in some kind of group, um, LGBT-related or not, Mm-hmm. Um, probably more likely not um, helps so, and I'm sure this is advice you give all the time, Maureen, and mm-hmm. what you do. You know, it just helps with that transition so much. Yes, absolutely. Um, Lizzie was in a in a school in the South, so uh, a big thing is fraternity and sorority life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that Lizzie has done is she's uh, become an ally uh, with an LGBTQ group. 
to bring messages to fraternities and sororities uh, about the LGBT community and how to be accepting. And uh, it's a pretty big deal still in some Mm -hmm. parts of the South to be bringing that message to fraternities mm-hmm. and sororities. Um, but I'm, I'm really proud that she is doing that. Um, of course, her biggest social group is that she's in the archery club. It has nothing to do with having LGBTQ. Abby's a swimmer. She's on the swim team. Oh, she'll actually she'll be the captain of the swim team this coming wow, year. Wonderful. And that's, you know, been her thing. And, and mm-hmm. that, was her instant family once she um, once she got on campus. So right. you know that was that was a nice that was really nice. Mm-hmm. But um, it you know just definitely added to the um, feeling a part of things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we did what parents do best. We spoke about you know your children, but how about you guys? Did you guys notice that there was a shift in your identity, you know, as as a parent and in or even in the LGBT community? I definitely did. For for me, the the friends, um, my daughter's friends, parents, and family members are my family, and mm-hmm. that has shifted as the the students have gotten older, as our children have gotten older. And it does leave you a little bit like, well, now that we don't have our children here as well, you know, is this still mm-hmm. our community? Is it, mm-hmm. is it changing in some way? And then, of course, you know, we made a, a move halfway across the country um, at the same time that Lizzie was going mm-hmm. off to college. We've since moved back to Boston. Um, so we were in Texas for three years. Um, but uh, we're, it's, it's very interesting to look at that dynamic. Uh, who are we as, you know, people in our own right, taking away the identity mm-hmm. of parent first, because we mm-hmm. are very conditioned to live a parent first lifestyle, just like Kim mm-hmm. and I both are talking about our daughters much right. more than we're talking about ourselves. <laughs> it just yep. shows that mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's for us, that is still the biggest part of our identity. It right. isn't as a lesbian mom, it's as a mm-hmm. mom. Right. hmm Having said yeah. that, you know, Marianne and I have definitely shifted uh, our our whole family structure. You know, we we went from three to two, and it mm-hmm. it, it it has been a, a difficult transition in a lot of ways. Um, to and I think for probably for me, and I, I think Marianne would probably agree with this, although she's not here to defend herself. Um, but <laughs> the the change has probably been more dramatic for me because I was always the, the, the I mean, I'll call it the primary caregiver mm-hmm. uh, in that I was the one physically present more. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lizzie mm-hmm. used to say I stalked her at all of her schools <laughs> because <laughs> where wherever she went to school, I worked. <laughs> Right, uh, until she was uh, heading towards high school years. And she's like, Mom, work someplace else. (laughs) Um, So, you know, uh, I I think for me, it was a bit more of a trauma to learn how to cook for two and, um, you know, not have to worry about if homework was done and all those kinds of uh, everyday things. 
Mm-hmm. Well, then I can imagine that shift the identity is almost how it was to create families in the first place, you know, where, where you kind of have that group of friends and then suddenly becoming a parent changes that, that circle of friends because you can't go out as much as you used to, you know, it's suddenly now you're worried about mm-hmm. play dates and then children's activities. And so I would imagine that the other end is kind of similar to that, but the opposite. Yeah, I think that's very true. Yeah, that's a, a really good comparison. We we did lose a lot of uh, close friends when we became parents for that very mm-hmm. reason that, the, that we just didn't have as much in common anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, frankly, people didn't want to listen to Barney being played over and over again <laughs> yeah. in our house. So they stopped visiting. I'm happy that you're getting to listen to a new episode. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, that's I I I agree completely. I mean, I think for us, um, you know, again, we're we're sort of a, in a two-step empty nest process. We've had mm-hmm. Abby out now for three years, and um, and certainly as our younger daughter has become more and more independent, and you know, she drives and takes care of herself. I mean, we've definitely increased uh, our time as being two adults versus, you know, parents taking mm-hmm. care of a, of a kid. And, you know, I feel slightly guilty even putting this in, but it's the truth is, you know, we're kind of, we're actually really excited and it doesn't have anything to do with that. We're, we're not going to miss having our kids at home, you know, but we, we enjoy each other and we have a lot of fun mm-hmm. and we have a lot of adult fun and we're looking forward to having more of it. We, we, We've got, um, I travel a lot for work and typically Natalie doesn't come with me. She stays home with our, well, with both our kids, but in the last few years with Mm -hmm. Jenna, because even though she's independent, she still needs a parent here. And so, you know, we already have, we already know that Natalie is going to be traveling with me next year, um, all, Mm -hmm. most, if not all the trips. And Mm -hmm. we've got some fun vacation-y trips planned. We decided to take a few trips with um, LGBT kind of organized trips because we thought that would be fun. Um, So, I mean, I, I feel like I'm ready for this next chapter. And also, I don't feel like you know, that's it for me parenting. I mean, when Abby, when Abby comes home, um, like she's home now, um, you know, we're back to being a foursome and we're back Mm -hmm. to messy house and we're back to, (laughs) you know, um, strange food disappearing or shopping lists that are different. I mean, and I, I hope that'll always be the case until one day, you know, there's grandchildren in, in the picture. Mm -hmm. So, I feel like we're ready. I mean, you know, talk to me in in October and we'll know because, you know, she's still here. So I don't know um, what it will be like to really have none of that energy in the house. And I'm right. sure that it'll, it'll be somewhat jarring. But, um, but I think we're also, I think just as Abby eased us into being moms, um, she has eased us into the mm-hmm. transition to having our kids mm. be out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Time will tell. Yeah. 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 Well, as we things... start wrapping up. Oops, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say uh, one of the things too that I have found fascinating with this generation is that because they are going to college and um, have the resources of the internet, et cetera, is that they're doing things like 
finding other donor family members that mm-hmm. never would have been uh, a possibility even even just a few years ago and it's it's very interesting that the that our children are able to define family in a way that works for them mm-hmm. and i i have found that really just a a wonderful thing uh for my daughter uh i'm not going to go into any details about it cuz i haven't mm-hmm. talked about that with her but i think that well, that's go ahead and i think i think just to add to that to, to sort of add to the statement you just made, which is, I think, so important, is that they've been allowed to, they're able to define their families in any way they want, including not including, mm-hmm. you know, not including donor people as Absolutely. part of their family. My, mm-hmm. my kids are, have sort of a really different stand. And, um, and, you know, I think it's, I think it's wonderful that there are so many different opportunities and access. And I think I would be remiss if I didn't add, we have to remember that it isn't true for everyone. I mean, you know, Abby, we are lucky. We have resources. Abby goes to school with a lot of people who don't get get to go home for, you know, the holidays or Mm -hmm. because it's a expensive 3000 mile flight. And we've, we've been really lucky. And I think it would be ever so much harder. You know, we can go in October to family weekend and see her and go to Mm -hmm. all the things that are planned, but there's lots of her, her sister students who don't get to, whose parents don't come because they can't afford to fly them, you know, to go in September to move them in and go in October and Mm -hmm. then go in Mm -hmm. May and pick them up. And I Mm -hmm. don't take, I don't take for granted how fortunate we are that we can, that we can do that. Mm -hmm. And it definitely has made it easier. If I had to, you know, sort of put her on a plane, take herself to school and didn't see her for nine months or 10 months, that would be a lot harder. I know. Right. Right. So as we start wrapping up, um, just kind of wanted to give you guys a, a chance to, you know, kind of um, recap a little bit. And, and what would be some advice that you would have for, for parents, you know, who have those graduate graduating students, you know, coming in and looking at the fall as, as the first mm-hmm. semester as they go into college? So what would be some advice that you would have for them? For me, it's, it's, it's not an LGBT thing. It's just a, a parent of a and and I actually I just had a conversation with a bunch of in, incoming Smithy for first year parents. You know, mm-hmm. it's recognizing that there. I guess maybe if there's just one piece of advice, it's overall that everything's going to be okay, and mm-hmm. they 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 make their way and they they find their way, and you know they it's okay if they falter. It's a lot harder on us actually than on them. It's kind of the same advice. It's kind of funny. It's sort of the same advice as a mom or a dad dropping their kid at kindergarten, you know, and you kind of go, they're going to be okay. They might cry. They might skin their knee, but they're going to be okay. It's harder on you than on them. It's it's actually really similar. It is. It, it, it really is. Mm-hmm. And as a person who works on a college campus right now, I would say take advantage of what the college is offering. If there is an yes. orientation mm-hmm. program, if there is family weekend that you could you are able to go to, go to those programs with your your uh, 
son or daughter because it's an, an important way for you to learn about the community. Uh, one of the things Kim said earlier was the, the idea of the helicopter parent, the parent who hovers over and watches everything that happens. Um, the, the, the new idea is the snowplow parent. And that's the parent <laughs> yes, heard that. who, who moves all obstacles out from in front of their students so that the <laughs> student's path is all smooth, um, no, no uh, big piles to climb over, et cetera. And uh, I, I think it, it, it's important for us to recognize that these metaphors exist because they're, they're true. We do have mm-hmm. those elements in us that we want mm-hmm. to hover and we want to clear the way. But when we step back and think about, do we want them to never, ever have to solve anything on their own? Do we never, ever want them to climb over an obstacle and figure out how to do that? Um, do we, you know, we, we need to let them make mistakes. We need to let them mm-hmm. uh, find their own way so that they become resilient, wonderful adults. And um, so that, you know, that's that's something I struggle with every day because, you know, I, I want to hold on. I want to um, mm-hmm. make it make it nice. <laughs> but I realized that, you know, my, my daughter has to do that on her own. Right, right. Well, thank you so much, you guys, for, for taking the time to, to chat. It really has been a pleasure conversing with you and, uh, and sharing your experiences and, and hearing about your families and your daughters. It's, it's just amazing all the things that they're accomplishing and they're doing. So thank you so much. And thank with you. that, we come to a close. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us. Until next time, remember that love, justice, family, and equality is what brings our families together.